some shows recorded and they're ready to be released but I was like putting them too fucking fast I'll wait a week and then it just ended up being two weeks I'm in the process of relocating and doing interviews and it's just a lot going on so I was like eh, we'll make it work but anyway thanks for waiting patiently uh, this is uh our Halloween episode, and today I'm talking to George. George is a, well, he's a witch. He's been doing a lot of witchy stuff, and he'll explain his thoughts on witchery, uh, witchery, weakening, and stuff like that, and um, it's it's a really interesting interview because I love George. I've known him for, I think, it's close to a decade. And he and his wife, Sweet Shannon, he never minces words. And you'll see in this interview that he is not not in the mood to mince words. So, uh, yeah, he don't fuck around. Anyway, enjoy. See ya. So I feel I feel like a whore. I'm always in the back seat of a car. So I'm here with George, the high priest of sexy. That's that's how I have you on my phone. Oh, it's kind of like an illicit drug deal out in the parking lot of yeah, the Publix. Yeah, we're, we're exchanging magic and penis. Basically. Yeah. In the Publix parking lot. In the Publix parking lot. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so how you been, sir? No, not bad. How are you? Good. Fantastic. Um, I've known... How long have I known you? At least 10 years. At least. At least. Uh, it has to be 10 years because me and Shannon have been married 10 years. Because you wouldn't accept my Facebook request because you thought I was 12 years old. You look like a 12-year-old kid. I was like, no, I already look like a fat pedophile. I'm not going to be friends with a 12-year-old. Um, no offense against pedophiles. You know, everybody gets upset about everything, so now I have to be saying I'm sorry every two seconds. I agree. But I'm not sorry, so fuck them. Um, so, the reason I brought you, well, it's Halloween, it's spooky time, and, uh, you are, I think you're one of the few real witches that I know. I might be the only. <laughs> well, I got <laughs> I my, I don't know for sure. I got but... my friend Rena in, um, <laughs> she's in Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, she, she's a real witch also. Very good one, by the way, too. Positive witch. And then I have my friend Penny. She's a white, white witch. Oh, yeah. I forgot about her. Yeah, Penny. Penny's a real one, too. 
Um, so, sir, tell, tell us a little about how, how long have you been uh, practicing? Do we call you a warlock? Or? Uh, well, there's too many. There's, it, though the pagan community is full of fluffy bunnies, which are Wiccans, and this is no offense to any Wiccans out there. Continue doing what you're doing. It's just we, I refer to them as fluffy bunnies. But um, When you yeah. say fluffy bunnies, do they, like, pull bunnies out of their asses or something uh, like that? That would be awesome. You I know? would love that. But no, um, when I come to a fluffy bunny term, uh, it's the terminology for Wiccans because Wiccans t have, they, they don't look at the dark side of anything. They always look at the positive side of everything, but sometimes there has to be a dark side. You have to, you have to have a balance. So if you totally ignore the dark side of yourself, you're just a fluffy bunny in my opinion because you're, that's all you are. And the, there's nothing wrong with the, you know, exuding happiness all the time etc etc but you have to have both to be balanced and most witches don't do that they don't delve on the dark side of anything okay so let me play the devil's advocate um what would you do with that dark side wouldn't that be something that you have to be careful of it, you lose? Well, it's true but you have to have balance and the thing is with the dark side i mean People talk about curses with witchcraft and everything like that, but they don't realize that sometimes a curse might actually be needed. Let's just say someone's physically abusing someone every day, emotionally abusing them, and you've talked to them, and you've gotten physical with this individual, and they can constantly do it. And the other individuals in the relationship who's too afraid to do anything about it, then you have to step on their toes, and you might have to use a curse to stop them from doing that. Does that make it wrong? No. It doesn't. But that would be the dark side of magic. A lot of witches will not mess with curses or anything like that. Yeah, well, there's the... I, I And forgive me if uh, if I'm saying something stupid, so feel free to unstupefy me. Um, so that would be like some witches are scared of throwing a curse because there's a possibility that they could come back to you. Yeah, they believe in a threefold law. Do what thou will shall harm none. And what you send out comes back to thee, threefold. I don't believe that. I don't believe in a threefold law. If you go out here and you're a, for lack of term, a rapist and you, uh, your whole entire thing is raping people, well, what comes back to you comes back to you. It's not going to come back to you harder because you're doing that. It's just going to come back to you. There is no, oh, I did good for this person. I'm going to get three times back. No, it's not like that. And same thing for using... A negative side of magic. It's really about perception when it comes down to it. Good and evil is all about perception. You can kill someone out of love. You can harm someone out of love. Complete love. But it could be an evil act at the same time. How they perceive it. So, like I said, it's all about perception. So if you kill someone out of love, let's take that example. Because that's a really, really good example. If you kill someone out of love... And I know this is a... I'm putting you in a situation that is completely... Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Like, super <laughs> fucking hypothetical. Oh, look at Million Dollar Baby. Uh, uh, yeah, so if you kill somebody, never seen that movie. It's not a horror. So oh, yeah, same um, so, But it's the same connotation. So let's say you kill someone out of love. Um, what may come back for you? You're not going to get a fuck ton of love back. What are you getting? No, that... Hypothetical. Hypothetical. You are you are the lord of this well, situation. Uh, let's just put a situation out there. Let's say someone's in bedridden and in a hospital, and they have like two or three months to live. 
They're on a ventilator. They're suffering. They're miserable. They want to die. They want to end it. There's no coming back. That's the end of it. And you're killing them. You pull off the you pull them off the ventilator. You let them die. You just murdered that individual out of an act of love, out of an act of mercy, an act of pity. It's an evil intent for a lot of people, you know. But that individual is now blessed. You know, you've stopped their suffering. They were having this prolonged suffering. They would never come back from it. You just stopped their suffering. So when it comes to an act of evil like that, I don't think anything would come back, you know. But now if you go out here and maliciously, oh, well, my next-door neighbor is an asshole, and I want to go ahead and cast a spell on him to, you know, where his wife will leave, his kids will be killed, etc., etc., you can expect a shit ton to come back to you for the rest of your life because that's completely malicious. There's no good intent at all anywhere in that. Well, once again, it all comes around about perception. Um, magic is a tricky thing. Aleister Crowley said that magic is the art and science of changing your life to the conformity of will, which means bending your life to your will. Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. Love is the law of love under will. So, when it comes to using the dark side of your individual, of your animus, the person you are yourself, it all, it's all about that perception, not how dark you actually are inside. Some people are some vile people inside and they never know it until they start practicing magic. And they can't use anything negative for a positive. Some people can't. Once again, like I said it all comes down to perception. That's nice. That's nice. Um, there was uh, here. Here's a that, that reminded me of a story from when I was in Puerto Rico. Uh, there was a family member of mine who had a sister, and she was she was cuckoo. She when I when I saw her, I was a kid, so when I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, that's what what you know she's. She's funny, you know, because you're a kid, so you, everything is funny. Mm -hmm. And I asked my grandmother, and I was like, <laughs> "Hey, um, what um, what is um, what is wrong with her?" And she said, "She was practicing Santeria, and she sent the hex, and the hex came back to her, and whatever she saw drove her crazy." I can believe that. And I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for days. There was a. I was like, what the fuck did she send? Why did she send it? What is going on? It's all about, like I said, it's all about the individual itself because I, when I started practicing witchcraft, I had to basically force myself into witchcraft because no one wants to teach anyone under the age of 18. But you can get Wiccan books left and right at your local library. And every time I would get a book about Wicca, it just didn't make sense to me. It felt like they were missing something because there's no duality, there's no balance between Wicca. So when I actually did start studying witchcraft, I started learning more about high magic and the OTO and the Golden Dawn and other Masonic lodges and magical lodges of the 1900s. And some of the things that you learn, some of the rituals you learn will bring out for lack of term, the demons that are inside you so you can actually see what's actually inside you. Because the goal of the witch is to rid themselves of the ego. So they are not influenced by negativity. So they're not influenced by positivity. They are neutral. That way they can discern oh, what's the right path to fix the situation. 
so they can discern what the correct path of will is. So, like I said, some rituals will pull out the worst, some pull out the best. It all depends what's inside you. It's kind of like a soul-searching journey. Yeah. Have you seen what's inside you? Well, let's just say this much. I have a spell tattooed on my arm from playing around with things you shouldn't play around with. Um, there are rituals that, there are reasons why there are grades and schooling and patience and time required to study magic. That's why Crowley was such a powerful magician. He bypassed every hedonistic ideology you could think of and was just a vile man but could teach and was a powerful magician but couldn't practice what he preached and same thing for me when I got a hold of the right material I kind of went a little wild there and tried to do some rituals that ultimately caused me to have to tattoo myself with spells to keep some things away and say that much so so speaking of Crowley Crowley was known as a, a fantastic power bottom it seemed he used to fuck the fuck the semen everything. out of sex magic, out of uh, sex, everybody, everything, everything. Yeah. So, um, so Mr. Powerbottom um, made like he was one of the first to use sex magic. He was not one of the first, but he was one of the first to one to bring it out. Okay. Because um, the OTO initially one of their higher grades at the very top of the order was sex magic, and same thing for the Golden Dawn. One of the higher orders was the learning sex magic. But when he discovered sex magic in India, and when he came back to England, he's like, hey, I've been doing this. And they're like, how'd you know this? And they started vetting him, asking, how do you know all these rituals? Well, I learned them when I was learning Buddhism. When I was in India, when I was learning the Quran, I was learning all this information, and this is what I was taught over there. They're like, well, this is what we teach, but it's higher up. And that's how he got in the OTO. He pretty much already knew all the rituals that were in the OTO before he even showed up, mm. because they were just archaic. They were actually in other countries. But where do you stand on sex magic? Sex magic is a very powerful tool, but it should be used very sparingly. The thing is with magic, you have to understand what magic is. And as I told you, magic is the art and science of changing your environment to your will. So there might be times that sex magic's needed. But most of the time, 90% of your spells, you should never have to have that type of power to get the will to work. I mean, basic witchcraft is the art of using what's around you to get what you need, to bring others what they need. Sex magic, you're going to have to have a good reason why to use it. <laughs> a very good reason. I think um, the OTO use sex magic for had, Crowley used it because Crowley was a manipulating individual and, you know he just wanted to get laid he's like ah, I'm going to do this ritual but he was also using it for power for himself mm. he was using it for more and more strength in himself the reason Crowley was such a beautiful magician and probably the greatest magician we've had is because of his manipulation of others and it turned him into the vile creature that he actually was but his magic was perfect. It always worked. And that's because he took will from others. The weak-willed individuals. And that's a bad thing. It's a very bad thing. 
but it worked for him. Yeah, he he power bottomed the shit out of somebody in the desert and fucked him. Yeah, he about killed the guy too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I mean, look what he did in the house in his house when he was in. Um, I might be this wrong. It's either Ireland or Scotland. I think it's Ireland. Mm. The house that um, was up when recorded one they're out mm-hmm. I mean, this man started a, a ritual and just walked out in the middle of the ritual a ritual that takes a year to complete he didn't even stop the ritual he just like I'm done and walked out didn't shut down any gates nothing no protections just left and they wonder why they're seeing black demons and everything else walking around I mean well no shit <laughs> you just open doors up I'm moving bye yeah yeah so most of the information that I got from Crowley I got from um, first from the movie Crowley mm-hmm. the one that Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden did yeah um, which I thought was pretty nice and then last podcast did a four part on it which my favorite part of it was they, they actually call him the ultimate power bottom that's where I got that from <laughs> which was the funniest thing in history for me and um, because to me when when they were saying yeah he was he would have gay sex to, to oh. I was like oh so he was going on top it's like no 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 Power bottom on anything. Every, he, any, it and doesn't everything. matter. It's like, oh, okay. Been addicted months. It didn't matter anyway. Yeah. But the thing is with Crowley, why I consider Crowley such a brilliant magician, when Crowley abandoned Christianity, he was brought up into a very religious family. When he abandoned Christianity and he started studying magic for the Golden Dawn, he moved so quickly through the lower grades and the reason is is because he studied he went and got the knowledge from other people he went and searched oh why does this do this why does this do this and he would preach to people he'd be like hey never charge anybody for magic don't do this don't do this and then five days later he does exactly the same thing he charges people for this he He bent every rule that he taught but if you look at his teachings like a lot of his teachings and put them into practice, they're perfect. As long as you don't let them drive you like they did him. He did it, like I said, manipulation of will. I mean, one of his tenets is never charge anybody for a Torah reading. Never charge anybody for a spell. Never. How many people you know charge for Torah readings? Well, How many Wiccans charge for a Torah well, That's a complete bending of what Crowley said. Crowley even charged people, even after he said not to do it. But he did it for a reason. It's like he always said, he's like, magic's the will of intent. This is what you should do. This is where your mind should be when you cast a spell. And he'd do the complete opposite. But if you read his writings, they're perfect. I mean, that's where Wicca came from. Modern Wiccans might not want to accept the fact that their religion is not as old as they think it is. I mean, the Gardnerian Wiccan faith itself, even the Alexandrian faith of Wiccas, they're all can be traced back to Crowley's writings, except for witchcraft. Witchcraft is older. Mm. And like I said, modern Wiccans don't like Crowley. They don't like that hedonism. They don't like the fact that he would, you know, he was pretty much out to hump everything mm-hmm. and take what he wanted to and fuck everyone. Mm-hmm. So I have two questions um, because I had a question about sex magic. But before I go there, you said OTO. What does that stand for? For those of us who are Orda Tempa Uranus. It is a. Huh? Orda Tempo Rennes. Bless you? <laughs> yes, basically. It is another magical society. Back in the 1900s, OTO is still big. So is the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So does the builders of the Temple of Adium, the BOTA. Mm-hmm. They are all 
Well, the OTO is not really an offshoot of the Golden Dawn, but the BOTA is. But they're all magical lodges of the latter part of the 1900s. Mm. Um, the OTO is still in existence today. The BOTA is still in existence today. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, as it stands, is it, it's it's distance itself from what it was in the 1900s, but it doesn't exist as it did in the 1900s. But back in the 1900s in England, you had the magical lodges, like the Rosicrucians and the Masonic lodges. Mm -hmm. And then you had these lodges that were delving into the Hermetic magic, like the Kabbalah and the Hermetic side of the Greek magic and uh, the Quran and different other magical societies. And that's where the Golden Dawn came from. And then the OTO, the BOTA. So it's basically a giant Masonic lodge, for lack of term. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, cool. So here's my question. You were talking about... So I was delving <clears throat> into sex magic not that long ago. Um, just reading and reading about it. And um, one of the things that it said that it kind of goes against what you just said was that you could practice it on your own. Like, you could use, like, a sigil and a... Um, kind of like last ep a couple of episodes ago that I was playing with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so does that um does that does that work still? Is what you want to know? Well, I'm assuming it doesn't because it, I was just looking at it and I'm thinking it's supposed to be done with someone because that will be the biggest. That is correct. That is the the most powerful. It thing. is. And um, but it did say that the book did say well not the book the. Um, sweet internet page said that you could do it on your own and I was like eh, that kind of sounds weird you could you could but I don't think it would work as, as powerful as two people coming to a combined goal okay let's just let's just hypothetically say you're and this would be a frivolous way to use sex magic but let's just say you're both you and your partner are trying to change every aspect of your life. I'm talking about you are building up for a job change, a career change in your life, and you've done the mundane spells, right. and you've constantly, but both of y'all are working together. Mm -hmm. That could be some very powerful energy sent out in directions for that. But if you did it by yourself, I mean, it's not as powerful, but I'm pretty sure it would be. It might work. It's oh. like sputtering a little, like. Well, it's kind of like using a wheat. It's kind of like using a freaking, you know, leaf blower in a freaking firestorm. It just, <laughs> it might work a little bit for a certain area, but it might not work completely all the way through. Yeah, here I am with my my uh, one inch on yeah. my sigil, yeah. trying to change the world. Well, it's hey, like it could be my wand. Yeah. yeah Radu Potter. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like I said, one person for a common goal like that, like I said, it, it's like a leaf blower in a firestorm. It might not work that well. It might work to a point, but hey, there's better ways to do it. Okay. Okay, that's a, that's a, yeah, I've been meaning to ask about that since we started that, that end of the conversation. So. Yeah, yet you practicing yoga. I already see this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm cool with that. DDP yoga or just yoga? Oh, yoga. The, the traditional yoga. Traditional. No, yeah. no, no sweet DDP? No sweet DDP. Okay. Damn it. Um, yeah, I'm down for yoga. <laughs> Get that chakra rolling. Yeah. Um, how does your um, belief in magic um, stand against the law of attraction? Because I've seen parallels, mm -hmm. but right now as we're discussing, I'm also seeing 
um, contradictions. Everything is a contradiction in its terminology. All right, Crowley, explain <laughs> a little better. A law, a law of attraction is not. I don't. I've always said this. It's not really of a law of attraction. It's more about the energy you're putting off. You know, if you are a receptor and someone is a is a battery. Are we still well, talking about sex magic or what? Well, a combination of both. Okay. Law of attraction. Right. Thing is, say you're a battery and I'm a receiver. If you're putting off more energy... Do I have to power bottom for you? I uh, Maybe. Okay. Thing is, um, if you're putting off more energy, I'm going to be automatically drawn to you no matter what. Even if you're a vile individual, if you're if you're exuding energy and I'm a feeder and I need this energy, I'm going to come to you no matter what. Okay. So, I mean, law of attraction is basically that. I mean, it's all about the individual. It really comes down to individual parameters because there are ways to boost the energy output you're putting out toward everyone. So, I mean, it's basically what you want it to be. Same. Okay. It's like sex magic. Like I said, it's basically what you're wanting to get out of it. Got it. You put in 110%, you're going to get 110% back. Magic's a tricky thing. It really is. People think they can go get a bunch of candles and a book from Barnes & Noble and a book bag and think they can go into the wilderness and commune with nature and cast spells and tie little knots and candles and be all happy and stuff and go about their day and never achieve a damn thing. Because they're fluffy bunnies? Basically. And then you got the individuals who are out there in a blinding rain, storm in the middle of the night, trying to light the candle to get it to work, who actually can do the magic, but <laughs> they don't they don't get it. The fluffy bunnies just don't get it. <laughs> oh my god, I wanna make that a slogan. Fluffy, fluffy bunnies. bunnies. <laughs> I mean I am not the only witch that calls Wiccans fluffy bunnies. Trust me, it is there is a fluffy bunny society out there, I'm sure of it. They wanna be part of the fluffy bunnies. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, for I don't even like using this word, but God help, God bless them. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. They're just, they got that book at Barnes & Noble, and they're trying their best. And go for it. Just rock that fluffy bunny. Just be a fluffy bunny and rock it. And then later I'll become a Pentecostal holiness. I mean, that's all I can say. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, um, I would like to eventually bring you back to do some more talk about Magic fluffy, fluffy bunnies. Well, just magic. But next time, I, instead of a broad one, we should get a get a theme, and uh, then I'll do some research on the theme, and then we can just sit down and discuss it, see what I got from it, and see what you, as a teacher, um, um, do for it. Yeah. You know what what you get and what I got, and then compare. But bring it, keep it simple, uh, Mister Philosophy. Well, that's the part of the witchcraft that I have, because the craft that I was indoctrinated to is philosophy. Cochrane's craft, 1734, Clan of Tublacane, all this is based in philosophy. And it's all about perception and mind. Unlike the fluffy bunnies. You like, unlike the fluffy bunnies. Okay, unlike. unlike. I thought you said I like the fluffy bunnies. I was like, no, 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 no. You can now go back on this. No, no. God bless them. God bless them. <laughs> fluffy bunnies. Brilliant. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and uh, mm -hmm. having dinner kind of with me. Yeah, yeah. I know I just stood there and drank a Diet Coke. I got to listen to a cover band do Highway to Hell that sounded like a gospel choir, basically. Uh, well, th I mean, that girl did have a great voice. She did have a good voice. She had a fantastic... It makes me want to stay here till 8 to listen to oh, Lord. her do uh, 
summer of 69. <laughs> I'm sure that's in that set list. I'm sure that, and I'm sure Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet there. Home Alabama's there too. Back in Black. And I'm Back in Black is there. I'm 100% positive that they're going to end with uh, Barracuda. Or, or or Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Don't Stop Believing. Oh, do you think they'll do, um, <laughs> oh my God, do you think they'll do, um, oh my, ah. I want to know what love is, but <laughs> I want to know what love is. That would be great. No, uh, living on a, uh, uh, living on a Jesus Christ, living on the edge, sweet uh, Aerosmith. Yeah, they could, they or is that too heavy? I don't know. We are in a bar in Woodstock. I mean, we know Georgia Satellite's going to be played here at least. Wanted Dead or Alive has got to be on that yeah. set list. Well, keep your hands to yourself. You know? uh, <laughs> Ooh, some bad company. But yep, yep. Yeah, but they're not going to do the Five Finger Death Punch cover. No, no, no. We're going to do the old school set. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that was the last concert we went to together. It was uh, Volbeat and Five Finger Death Punch. Yes, yes, it was. And Volbeat destroyed everyone. Everyone. Five Finger Death Punch should have just come out and start shaking people's hands and congratulate Well, I mean, the guy was pissed. Yeah, because yeah, he had to come on after Volbeat. <laughs> I mean. It's their idea. I come out with a baseball bat and start screaming at people. And I'm like, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah. You need a hug? Yeah. <laughs> you need a new band. Like the motor grader or something. Oh, uh, yep. Yep. That was great. All right, dude. Well, thank you for coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, thanks for meeting with me. And uh, we'll, we'll meet up soon. Do this again. Yep. Yep. If it's too hard, we can do it by phone. Uh, we can go out in the middle of the woods. Hell yeah. Just don't, yeah. don't, don't bring anything. <laughs> don't turn any demon in there or, you know. Come nude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like an episode of Supernatural. If you're going to power bottom me, we're going to we're gonna need some lube. It's like an episode it's of It's my first time, man. Be nice. And if if this is happening, we need to. I need a couple million dollars out of this. Uh, I'll just wear a Dean Winchester mask. Oh yeah, then I'll fuck the shit out of you. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, you take care, man. Thank you, man. Bye. Welcome to October Campfire Stories. Hey, so um, we're doing these uh, campfire tales. Mm-hmm. So we're, what we're doing is getting spooky stories. I have a true spooky story. All right, cool. I'm all ears. <laughs> Everybody's so, excited. So there is a house in Virginia called the Octagon House. It's being restored now. And it was an old house that was supposedly built in a field surrounded by four mountains as an octagon because of uh, this guy from England built it because of wind damage he said it we need to build it in the shape of an octagon because of the wind which is horse shit but this house was it it was falling apart it's been falling apart for years well to get to the octagon house is an act of congress because you have to go through someone's field and they're they're genetically inbred rednecks hopefully they're not listening to this but <laughs> they are, and they've chased off several people, but I know the back way in there, which means it's a two and a half mile long gravel road through the backwoods of Virginia, kind of like, um, if you ever watch Wrong Turn, I it's kind of like the movie. beginning of that, you've got the little fence, and you're terrified, but you go through there anyways, but when you finally get to it, you see this giant house built in the middle of a field where there's no sounds, there's no birds, there's no bugs, there's nothing, no wind or anything. It's absolutely creepy. But I think I was 
16, maybe 17 years old. And I had been practicing witchcraft and studying magic for that, that time frame for about three years. And I thought that I knew everything I needed to know. And I was watching all these paranormal shows and learning all this ghost stuff. And the Time Life books, of, those are black books from Time Life are fantastic. They helped fuel this. But me and about four people decided in the middle of the night, we're going to drive to the Octagon House. Since it's Halloween, let's do another campfire tale. Cool guy, cool guy, campfire tale number two. All right, so this is a great one that I've heard uh, from the internet, and I will. St- it goes a little something like this. So I was traveling through the woods one day, and I go hiking a lot, so I'm out in the woods oftentimes, and it was getting really late, and I was just looking for a place to, I got totally, like, buttfuck lost, <laughs> like, insanely lost, and unable to find any place, and I was tired, I needed to sleep, and it was nighttime, so you know it was not going to be safe to stay out in the woods for that long time. I was looking for, like, a, a rest stop. They sometimes have little um, shacks or cabins out in the middle of the woods as rest places, so if you're in a dangerous trail, you can find a place to stop and rest for a little while, maybe get some food, maybe have some water. Uh, and so I am going around, it's getting really dark out at this point and I'm getting really panicked. I would have taken just like an, a, a tree hanging over a rock at that point. But I finally stumbled upon a cabin and I'm thinking, great, this is in awesome. In the woods, what else a could go wrong? Woods. It's, I mean, so I'm scared and I need to find a place to, I'm not scared, I'm desperate. I'm not scared of the cabin, I'm scared of the woods. I would much rather be, I'm much more likely to be scared of the monsters in the woods than the monsters in a tiny cabin. It was dark, there was nobody in there. Demons or Jason? Right, for sure. And so I like, I, without even thinking about it, I go, I knock on the door, hello, anybody in there? Of course, nobody's in there. I open it up, it's completely empty, except for some paintings on the walls, and I don't think much of that. And I go in, and you know, I'm checking the place, looking to see if, you know, there's anybody, like, stuff lying around, or if someone's like, you know, don't take my stuff, or don't don't sleep in this bed, I'm claiming this bed. Mm-hmm. But it was so late, I was so fucking tired, I didn't even care about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these paintings that are around the room, and what these paintings are are of these faces, and these faces have just, like, it, they're, they're really gross-looking paintings, obviously, honestly. And they have these grimaces, these faces, these looks of pure contempt and malice, and they're pretty good paintings, honestly, and I'm just like, okay, someone just obviously is doing a prank and putting up paintings in, in a cabin. Cool. I, I don't get installation art, but uh, I'm sure that someone out here is like, oh, this is brilliant. So I, I say, fuck it, you know, the lights are all dim, and uh, I, I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning in daylight, and I find that the room is a little bit different. There are no paintings in the cabin, just windows. Ta-da! Mm-hmm. That was fucking great. Yeah, right? I love that story. <laughs> Sorry, I fucked it up. I've been hitting the wrong button a couple times, and we're losing the thing while it's recording. Um, continue. So, okay. you were... Um, it was... Uh, Time life books and all that happy shit, and then. Well, we decided in the middle of the night, I say about six o'clock at night, that we're gonna drive up to the Octagon House and research it because we are paranormal investigators and we know more than anybody else. Fuck yeah, you are. So we grab flashlights, that's it, 
and we drove up there. And me practicing magic, I thought I knew everything in the world, so you're not going to tell me nothing different. So I'm like, I'm going to cast a protection spell on us, and when I get there, I'm going to try to cast a spell here and see what I can open up and see what can show up. That was a bad mistake, but we get there, and the it, the sun is it, the sun's going down, but there's no sounds. That should have been the clue for me that I needed to get the hell out of there. But growing up in the wilderness, you know, you're going to hear sounds everywhere, but there was no sounds. So we get out and we start looking around the property, and for about 200, 200 yards around this entire house is I mean, this house is abandoned, but the grass is not growing. The grass is still level. It's like a manicured lawn. We're about 200 yards around this house. Once again, another red flag shouldn't be going in this house. Well, I finally break down the door. We break down one of the windows because there's boards over all of it. And we go in the house. Now, when you go in the house, the bottom floor is just this giant, huge foyer. There's no kitchen or nothing. The kitchen's under. It's in the basement area. Don't understand that. But you got this giant foyer, and you got stairs on each side that go up, and there's bedrooms up at the very top around. So we go in there, and we start looking around, and then it gets really dark really fast in November, October-ish in Virginia. So it got really dark in there, and we're having flashlights at the very top. I can't remember which bedroom it was. I have a friend of mine. He opened up the door. He looked in, there's a fireplace, there's two closet doors. He shines his flashlight in it, and he hears a, a shut, the door shut, one of the closet doors shuts. So he yells down, he's like, hey, don't fuck with me, guys. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, don't fuck with me. I was like, what do you mean? I'm down here. He's like, where's everybody else? I was like, I don't know, but I'm down here. I think everybody else is in the basement. So I go up there, he's like, that closet door just shut on its own. So I go, open up the closet door. I don't see anything. Well, I didn't know everybody else had left me and him in there. So <laughs> we're the only two there. They had already left. They'd been gone for an hour because we're going through all these rooms and searching stuff. We're the only two left. I don't know why they left us. To this day, I don't know. But what happened next, I do kind of change my life on a lot of things. But we shut the door and I heard a closet door open again. So I open the door and the closet door shuts. In your oh, face. In my face. So I'm standing there with this door, and I slowly pull the bedroom door open as the closet door slowly opens back up. So I'm thinking, okay, they really didn't leave. This is like an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> this is bullshit. They're fucking with us. So I sling the door open and run to the closet as fast as I can. It slams right in front of my face, and I can't open the closet door. Can't open it at all. I'm pulling on it. I start kicking on it, it will not open. So I looked at my friend, I said, listen, there's something here. I don't think we need to be here anymore. Well, about that time, I leave the room and I'm heading down the stairs and the closet door opens and I hear somebody running. They run through the bedroom door and they're running toward the steps. So I book, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I book. As you should. I think I even pushed my friend down. I yeah. think I ran. Fuck him. The thing is, I book out the front door. He passes me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. So I run to my car 
he runs past the car. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I swear to you, the driver's side, the back passenger side door to my car opens up. Something sits down the back of my car and looks at me. And there's nothing there. And says, drive. So I leave. I don't leave. I don't drive. I leave the car. I take off running. And I I got halfway to the end of the gravel road. I mean, this is a long, about two-mile-long road. I actually was Jesse Owens halfway down that road. But I got down there, and I asked my friend when I finally found him. It's like, why did, what, what did you see? He said, when you were running down the the stairway and you pushed me like a bastard basically <laughs> he said there was a giant black shadow Ooh. that was coming and I looked behind you and I watched it dissipate and then it went in your car so I was like holy shit I was like something got in my car and told me to drive he's like what do we do I was like we wait till daylight when we go back and get the car we just hang out down here and that's basically what we did. What time was it? Oh, God, this was about midnight. My, Are you insane? Yeah, we just stayed in the woods, huddled up together beside a tree. Because I was not going back to get my car. Fuck that. But that, when we went back and get the car, my back door was open. Like it had gotten back out and said, screw it. I guess the guy ain't going to drive me home or whatever. Yeah. But that black shadow was the beginning of the reason I have spells tattooed on me. Because that black shadow came from me using the wrong rituals and playing with magic that I shouldn't be playing because that house itself was built by a member of the Golden Dawn back in from England and it was built as a ritual house and I did not know this until I was very very old I was I guess I was in I think I was 16 at this time maybe almost 17 I wasn't into my late 20s so I finally found out about this information but by opening what channels I opened, that shadow, whatever, I know what it is now. I'll just keep that between me and myself. But um, mm-hmm. it followed me. And it's followed me ever since that day. Well, you didn't give it a ride. It's like that creep hey, show wanted a ride. I should have gave it a ride wherever it needed to go. Yeah. But it, it has followed me to this day. A matter of fact, I, there are, like I said, there are rituals where you can call entities that are from another plane, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I did, and I didn't even know I did it. And and then you didn't give it a ride. I didn't give it a ride. You asshole. But that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. To have something sit down the back of your car and tell you to drive, you're like, nope, this is not Uber. I'm not doing that. But see, living in Virginia, oh, my God, some of the stories and some of the things that we have seen, especially my town's like London. I mean, literally, you can, it'd be all nice and sunny, and then you drive into my town, it's like a dense fog, it's like freaking, what the hell happened? It's like a, it's like a story out of Cthulhu. <laughs> Basically. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's like rats in the wall. Cool. So maybe we can get another campfire story from you. Oh yeah, I have a bunch. Sweet. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. One more, one more, since it's Halloween. So, George, do you feel like uh, sharing another campfire story? I, I can. Um, I know that yours are real, too. Yep, most of mine are real because there's nothing to do in small little towns in Virginia except for, you know, hunt fish. Call Satan. Dip skull. Yeah. 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 Um, there is a, 
a challenge. Um, a lot of people don't know about it in my hometown, but there's a few on the outskirts of the home, my hometown. They know about it. There's a challenge called Black Dog Holler. It's a five-mile walk, and the challenge is to walk through Black Dog Hollow without having anything happen to you. Now, my stepfather told me about this, and this happened back in the, you know, the 50s and 60s. My dad told me these stories, too, and I used to drive down Black Dog Hollow going to school, so it's nothing in the daytime, but at night, it's a different world because, you know, the sun's not out. And there's no street lights. There's no houses on this road. So you have a five mile stretch that is straight. And the goal, like they used to do when my dad was kids, was to walk down and see who could walk down the road. My dad always told me something would grab you and try to throw you into the creek. There'd be a black dog with red eyes that would follow you. And try black to dog? You. Yes. Like a, like a hellhound. Yeah, like a hellhound. And that's basically what this is. Okay. But... My dad always told me about this, so me and my friend Jonathan, who's been in a lot of my experiences in life, we try to walk down this road, and his dad told him the same stories. Now, when I was in school, no one were telling these stories, because I guess the old-timers just didn't tell their kids, I don't know. We decided to walk down this road. So, we're walking down this, I think we're about a mile into this walk. It's kind of like a Stephen King, the long walk, you got this looking around every which way, trying we're hearing noises every which way around it, but it's in the middle of the woods, so it's expected. But we get about a mile, maybe a mile and a half into the road, and we see something setting in the middle of the road. And I'm talking about setting, I thought it was a human setting cross-legged in the middle of the road. For some reason, we don't have flashlights. I don't know why. Never understood this. You hate yourself. Apparently. But... I get this feeling that we should run like hell. And so does Jonathan. But we don't. But whatever it was, it set up. And it was about three, maybe four feet in height. But it was a dog. And it was black. Black. Blacker than black. Let's say this much. You can see shadows in the night. This stood out in a pitch of black of night. It was that dark. And it was growling. Mm. I didn't see the eyes, but I had a presence of mind that we needed to slowly back up. Not run, but slowly back up. So we started turning around the whole time, and you could hear this growling behind you. And it was just the most... I can't even describe the sounds. It's not like a normal dog that was like, you know, protecting its property kind of growl. It was just like, hey, stop. You're going too far. This dog, or whatever it was, followed us all the way back to almost the edge of the beginning of this holler. And when we got to the edge, right where our cars were, it just disappeared. I've never been back down that road since. <laughs> And that, does the dog have a name? Not. The story goes, from what I've heard, is that there was a family that lived on that road, and they had a few dogs, and one of them was black, and their child got hit by a logging company, 
and the dog stood beside the kid and tried to get help, but the kid died. And the dog died because it's lost its master, and supposedly that's the dog that, ha that haunts that holler, is that it's looking for help or it's trying to push you away from that family. Now, there is a house in the woods that's falling apart, but like I said, this is an old story. I don't know if it's true or not, but there is something on that road. Have I you ever that. been to the house? No, I've never been in that house. You learned your lesson from the other house. I've never been down that road since. Yeah. I know where it's at. I've taken my wife to the road, but I will not go down that road myself. That was it for me. Fair <laughs> enough. That's a good one. Thank you, sir. Yep. Alright guys, so that was it. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And I hope that it was spooky. You guys have a safe Halloween. Enjoy it. Next year, I will be in the land of the witches for Halloween. Yeah. Anyway, take care. Keep it spooky. See you soon. Bye.